Hi, need a ride? Hop on in. I'm headed to Julia's Trucking Cafe. Come on, let's go. We made it just in time. Come on, let's go get a seat. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Julia's Truck and Cafe. How is everybody doing this evening? I hope everybody had a good weekend, made lots of money, uh, is trucking safe and sound. I'm in, right off of 64 at the Loves, broadcasting live this evening from the Loves parking lot in uh, Kentucky. So it's in between Louisville and Lexington. Tonight we're going to be... Uh, discussing a lot of different um, current events, and it, later on, we're going to be having a special guest. My friend Lori is returning to the show to discuss with me the John Christer lawsuit, if you saw that in the news at all. So right now, I want to remind everybody that uh, the heavy road use tax is due the end of this month here in a couple of weeks. The IRS issued a reminder, this was back in July, that the heavy highway vehicle use tax filing they're due at the end of August, Form 2290, and must be filed by August 31st. Um, this uh, tax applies to vehicles with a gross vehicle weight of 55,000 pounds or more. The tax is based on the weight of the vehicle, and a variety of special rules apply, the, the agency said in the press release. Um, the IRS encourages truckers to use the e-file form 2290 rather, rather than the paper copy annual filing. Excuse me. There is no need to visit an IRS office because the form can be filed and any required tax payment can be made online, said the IRS. And generally, e-filers receive their IRS stamp schedule one electronically minutes after their filing. And then you can print it out and uh, provide it to your State Department of Motor Vehicles without visiting an IRS office. Um, if you need an appointment for assistance with the form, it can be made at IRS Taxpayer Assistance Center by calling 844-545-5640. That's 844-545. 5640 to find out more if this is the first time you're filing this form 2290. And um, in some news, some tragic news, a FedEx driver was hurt on I-40 after he got done hitting another truck and going off the road down in between the two bridges, down the embankment into a creek. Um, it happened on the 10th, just a few days ago, on westbound I-40 uh, near France, St. Francis County in Arkansas. 
Um, the police say that another semi-truck was involved in a crash that sent the FedEx truck careening off of the interstate. You know, they're going to, you know, he just went over the side and down. He was pulling doubles. I don't know if he was the large, you know, over-the-road truck or if he was a day cab, but uh, this will be in the show notes. Um, the link to the article will be in the show notes. And, um, again, a lot of my sources that I use are CDL Life and um, Overdrive Magazine is where I get a lot of uh, from. Then just about 45 minutes after that crash, the first crash, a second truck crashed and went off the side of the uh, interstate as well. So it was just minutes apart. And, um, yeah, he was pulling doubles. Um, one, uh, passerby said you could see the truck going in a big ball of dust. And he, him and his wife were driving from Oklahoma to Oklahoma from Jackson, Tennessee at the time this occurred. He said um, he and his wife immediately pulled over. He readied himself for a venture into the water. And he said, yeah, I threw, on, threw my shoes off real quick and put on some old shoes I had, which shoes were brand new, and I didn't want to get them all wet. But that was very nice of him, to him and his wife, to pull over to try to help this FedEx driver. He was airlifted to the hospital with severe injuries to Memphis, um, and he temporarily lost consciousness. Our prayers are with that driver and his family that he does make a full recovery. Um, I just sincerely say over and over and over again, this this show is kind of off the cuff as well, that, you know, you can't be tailgating. You can't, especially with doubles and triples, because they, they why do they call them wiggle wagons? They call them wiggle wagons for a reason. Um, also, if I'm a little bit loud this evening, I'm having to use my headset. Normally when I record the show, uh, off topic just a little bit, normally when I call, record the show, I do it over my Wi-Fi. Like I mentioned to you in a past episode, that's why it's kind of in and out, in and then out. We'll see what this does using my blue parrot headset that I have to use, and I'm calling in over my phone to um, record this show. So we'll see what this does. I spend a lot of money on my uh, Yeti microphone, you know, regular studio microphone to use here. But if I'm not having a special guest call in, I could go ahead and, you know, pre-record a show or a series or anything like that or videos and, and use that microphone or presentation or whatever. Use my blue uh, Yeti microphone in that regard. But um, unless I have DSL or something like that where I'm hardwire in with Ethernet, you know, at, at my home office or something to record a show. Maybe in the future I can, you know, set up and be like Bill O'Reilly or, you know, Dan Bongino or some of the Mark Levin or some of the good ones, that, the the talk shows that I listen to and um, use my, you know, Yeti microphone. Also in um, other news, the... Um, FMCSA Head Martinez looks at um, speaking um, with truck drivers for hours of service reform and stronger relations. This article, there again, appeared in Overdrive Online magazine. 
I'm also going to have the link in the show notes. Um, we know Mr. Martinez is the administrator of the FMCSA. Um, tweaking the hours of service regulation in the coming months, particularly around allowing greater flexibility for drivers to split their 10-hour off-duty period into segments and potentially reevaluating the 30-minute break requirement set in 2013. Well, Mr. Martinez, I have a question for you. What the heck have you been doing? They've been having a pilot program for the last year overlooking to splitting the sleeper berths. What have you been doing for four months that you've been, you know, we've been harping and harping and harping about this. You know, what do you, I understand that you're just coming into office and everything, but what have you been doing? In an exclusive interview with Overdrive on Tuesday, Martinez talked hours of service, the industry's transition to electronic logging devices, the sticky nature of detention time, and how he hopes to reshape the agency's relationship with the industry it regulates. He'd like to be able to see a year from now that the industry has noted a difference in posture from the previous three or five years with the agency, that we are more receptive to new ideas, that we listen better, that we're more cooperative with industry and trying to work together to make roadways safer. A year from now? Really? Really? You know, you need to keep going around the country to all these trucking shows and listening to us drivers. Not all the organizations, I'm sorry, like OIDA, my show is from a truck ground standpoint. Mr. Martinez, I'm calling you out. Why don't you come on my show? Why don't you want to talk to someone like me, who is a driver, who is doing this, who isn't in Congress, who isn't with Women in Trucking Association, who isn't affiliated with OIDA, who is a 30-year veteran out here, and we have pertinent questions for you to answer. Why don't you want to come on my show? Why can't I get a response from you to come on my show and, and sit down, you know, and talk about these issues? Talk about the e-logs, ELDs, the hours of service, sleeper birth, splitting the sleeper birth time, detention time. This is all what we're flexibility with the shippers and the receivers. These are pertinent issues, but no, you want to, you know, go to all these fancy smancy forms, the American Trucking Show, the Midwest Trucking Show, and, and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, because you could do a large number once. I also have an audience that's growing. Like I said, boots on the ground, drivers that do this day in and day out, not that aren't affiliated with any politics at all. So I, I ask you, I invite you to come on my show. Tina said in his conversations with drivers and carriers in his six months on the job that a key word continues to arise, flexibility. That's what he keeps hearing. We need some flexibility, he said. He's hoping in the next few months we can move forward some thoughts about how that might make sense. I think it's worth revisiting the hours of service and looking at providing greater flexibility. Yes, think? Duh. The 30-minute break, which is required within a driver's first eight, first eight hours on duty, is an often criticized component of the hour regulations, Martinez said. That's one area across the board we've heard complaints about. Why wouldn't we look at that? Yeah, that's our question. Why don't you look at that? The other issue is to revisit the issue of the split sleeper to say what kind of flexibility excuse, that can be added there. 
Martinez noted that the industry is still in a transitional phase with the implementation of the ELD mandate, with drivers, carriers, and enforcers still adjusting to the change. By and large, I am pleased with the way this is rolling out, and we will continue to listen to drivers and carriers and work with them to be flexible where we can. I see this as not closing the door on the ELD issue. It's something we're working through to make sure everybody gets used to using them over the coming year. Also could be a step holding, toward holding shippers and receivers accountable for long detention times, he said. Acknowledging that the agency doesn't exactly have regulatory authority over shippers and consignees. Martinez says ELD should bring to the forefront what a significant issue this is. While he said he understands there's disagreement on whether the driver shortage is a reality or not, Martinez said inefficiencies in the supply chain caused by detention exacerbate the issue. How can you have a driver shortage and have detention times that go into the hours, he said. That's a terribly inefficient use of a valuable resource. You think? <laughs> we got 14 hours in a day, right? Am I right? And you're going to spend 16 of it at a shipper. Yeah, you get a 10 in, but you're waiting by your phone to have the shipper or the consignee call you that you're in a door or your product is ready or your load is ready. Walmart, Walmart, you know, that when your load is done because you've got to drop your trailer because some numb nuts had just had to, you know, Go ahead and um, pull out when they weren't ready to, their trailer wasn't done being empty yet is my point, where I'm trying to go with this. And um, turn around and don't, you know, they pull out, and so now we have to we have to drop the trailer. We have to go park across the parking lot from the trailer. You, you can't even catch a nap or anything. Now, Walmart's getting pretty good. They knocked it down about four hours out of your 14 to to get unloaded. But there's a lot of um, produce that they're pulling it out of the field and having it cool it down. I remember pulling produce out of California, and it was 16-hour wait because it wasn't ready. I got the load on Tuesday. I didn't get loaded on Wednesday. But be back in Cincinnati by Sunday. You know, run around California Thursday and Friday, 2,300 miles in three and a half days, 700 miles a day, foot to that floor, drive your 10, go to bed, get up when that 10 is done, and keep on going. And uh, make it, too. Dog tired. Boy, your butt's dragging when you walk in the door. They're going, what's the, what's the matter with you? And they wonder why I have an attitude uh, article. Sorry, I digressed. Moving on to CSA Safety Measurement System Reform, FMCSA is planning a robust listening session for the fall to address reforms to the agency's Compliance, Safety, and Accountability Program. And uh, the agency is in the midst of reforming the program based on recommendations from the National Academies of Science, who last year recommended sweeping changes to the carrier rating program the agency announced last month. Martinez encouraged participation in the listing session as well as other chances to provide the agency with feedback. 
We're not going to progress without robust industry participation, he said. We could take criticism, construction, constructive criticism, that's good. That's the way this is supposed to work. But if we move forward with proposals that you agree with, what I would ask is that you voice your support when we do that. If you like it, don't assume it's going to get done. These are put out as proposals and will never get done unless there's support from the regulated community. So he, it seems to me that he's going about it the right way. And, um, you know, it's just um, really good that he's really wanting to sit down and speak with everybody. In his term as FMCSA administrator, Martinez said he hopes to see truck and bus crashes and fatalities and injuries stemming from those crashes start to trend downward again. In other words, start to decrease. The last few years, they have been on the rise. I don't have to tell people in this industry who drive for a living that the landscape out there is dangerous, in large part because of bad driving behaviors by passenger vehicles. I'm hoping that certainly in the three years that I'm here, and hopefully longer, that we will see a better integration of new technologies that will help crash prevention. I would hope to see safety numbers moving in the right direction. There again, you can go ahead and read more on this article. It'll be in the show notes at juliastruckandcafe.com. Under the cafe menu, just look for show notes. That's Julia's truckingcafe.com. I want to thank all my new listeners and new subscribers. I even got a review on Twitter, which I thought was really, really cool. So um, thank you again so much for listening. This show is, tonight's show is brought to you by Julia's Virtual Assistant Service. If you need a transcript for your podcast or a website built, contact Julia's Virtual Assistant Service by going to their website at juliasvaservice.com. That's juliasvaservice.com for all of your transcription and website needs. All right, I'd like to go ahead and welcome Lori to the show. Thank you so much, Lori, for joining us this evening. You're welcome, Julia. And have you heard about this Christner lawsuit that's been going on? Yeah, I was reading about it earlier today, as a matter of fact. And what are your thoughts on it? <laughs> or, well, I, or do you think I should go ahead and, and let everybody know exactly what the lawsuit is about? You think that's, I think that's a better idea. What do you think? Yeah, I think maybe you better bring everybody else up to speed, because I'm kind of a little confused. I mean, it's okay. So you know, go ahead. <laughs> I'm sorry. Mr. Huddleston was working for John Christopher Trucking. And he brought a lawsuit against John Crystal Trucking back in September of 2017, last fall. And that he said that they, according to um, Mr. Huddleston, that Christer violated the Fair Labor Standards Act, FLSA, by misclassifying him and other um, independent contractors. Instead of employees, they classified them as independent contractors and requiring to, them to work without compensation. John Christer is a trucking company headquartered in Sepulpa, Oklahoma, and he hauls products throughout the you know, contiguous United States, just like you and I do. 
And he drove, Mr. Huddleston drove for them from May 2016 to August of 2016. He said that um, under that action, he was performed to do work um, over 100 hours a week, um, that he was required to lease equipment from them, and that uh, Mr. Kirshner had full control of the equipment. How, in, how the, there again, I will have this um, filing, this latest filing in the show notes, even though I may not supposed to, but I will anyway. And um, the, how he leased the equipment, but yet he couldn't take it someplace else to another contractor and work for them. I'm like, what, what, what? Say what? So, you know, so what were you confused about on this? Well, that was one of the things I was a little confused about. If you enter into a lease operator contract, you're not an employee. Um, although you're leased to a company, you're not supposed to use said equipment to haul your own freight without company permission. So I guess maybe the biggest issue was when he left them, he wasn't allowed to take the truck with him. It, it Was that um, the issue? I mean, I really don't understand. And how was he allowed to work 100 hours a week? That's not legal. <laughs> Unless he's counting... Right. All of his sitting hours, which we don't get paid for as lease operators to begin with. So I'm kind of confused. And when I was reading the article, it it goes back to the, they're stating that they've been doing this for a minimum of four years that they can prove. Right. But I'm in a lease operator contract right now. I can't haul anybody else's freight. I'm 100% responsible for my vehicle. I don't get compensation from my company, although I can take my truck with me if I leave because I brought my truck here. But um, you also bought it from a third party, not who you're leased to, correct? Correct. But from what See, I understand... He's under a lease purchase. He's under, uh, from what I understand, he's under a lease purchase buying the equipment from JCT, like I'm buying my truck from the company I'm leased from, or like you're buying a truck from CR England. Not that well, that's, that's the not what I'm for. That's not what I'm. Example. That's not what I understand. According to what I read, he was recommended to lease the truck, which was on JCT property, from Triple Diamond Leasing, Leasing Company. So it's not a which JCT is truck. Owned. Yes, it is. They're owned by is JCT. It? That's a subsidiary of JCT. So it's so it's just like CR England because CR England owns Premier, and that's who they yes. lease your trucks through. Yeah. And when you leave CR England, when you leave CR England, unless you go to a sister company, you can't take your vehicle with you either. Yes. Exactly. I know that for a fact. Unless <laughs> unless you pay, you pay it off. You know, they you give you title it. in hand, then you can take it. When you get title in hand, then you can take it any doggone place you want to. Right, but you're not going to ever get your you title. Yeah, well, when you work for CR England, you're never going to get your title in hand. 
you can't make well, enough money. <laughs> you know, and and there's another. There, I'm just saying. Now I'm using Sierra England as an amp uh, example. 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 I'm not picking on them. I mean, there's Prime is out there too, the same way. You know, and a lot of people they look at leasing a truck like a car. When it gets older, worn out, and 500,000 miles, I'll just trade it in and get another brand new one. Never was, owning it, and they're do. in. Yeah, they're they're always in me. I I don't want to do that. I want to own the vehicle and then get you know the title and then go trade it in myself for what I want. Not you know it has to be the same Kenworth or or something like that. Um, now what right. it said here is that you know I'm I'm reading on I forget what even what page this is um, page four of nine. Um, that this Huddleston, Lewis, and Bittner, and Burnett allege that they each worked for JCT as a truck driver for a period of months or years, that they were misclassified as independent contractors. Under the terms of their operating and lease agreement, JCT exercised complete control over their trucks and work-related activities. JCT accomplished this in part by requiring them to lease their trucks and purchase equipment from JCT, and by mandating their assignments, schedules, and routes. If they or JCT terminated their operating agreements, JCT had the option to terminate their lease agreement without notice and take immediate possession of the truck. Yes, because you didn't pay it off. It's not yours right. until you pay it off. No, it's not. So, yeah. so, what, so I do don't understand how they're frivolous? bringing this. Yeah, it isn't, to I, me this is a frivolous lawsuit. I don't understand why the lawyers are even bringing it. You think they would understand law? I mean, if you don't pay for something, although I don't understand how they can just repossess the, the fire you and repossess it if you're leasing. If you're refusing loads. If if you're refusing well, it loads. Doesn't, but it doesn't say he was refusing loads. He's He's saying he worked 100 hours a week. How is that possible? I'm confused um, on that. And I don't okay, understand uh, why. Once on the road, once on the road, they routinely, routinely work 10 to 14 hours per day. We all do that. And 70 to That's 90 hours per week. JCT compensated them based on three factors. A flat rate per mile, like a dollar to a mile, plus fuel surcharge, but whatever. Re- reimbursements yeah. for certain categories of expenses and, and three deductions for inter alia lease payments, various insurance premiums, Qualcomm communication systems, licenses, maintenance and repair, cleaning services, fuel costs, freight charges, physical examinations, and drug screens. Oh, and they're also complaining that they had to go to Sepulpa, Oklahoma for orientation and were not compensated for it. We're not paid for coming to orientation. That's another thing that's not in com- the lawsuit. Not a company driver. Right. And a lot of times you have paid. to a lot of times you have to find your old way there if you're gonna be a le- uh, owner operator. You have to yeah, drive up I, I for something. I don't understand. I mean, it's not expected. The dr- they're expecting to be. They're expecting to be compensated for like a like an employee for orientation. They're not 
they're uh, fighting apples and oranges and want it to be oranges or something because of the fact they're looking at it from an employee mentality, but yet they were an owner-operator. That's what I'm assuming out of this. And they didn't know their, for me personally, it doesn't sound like they knew their butt from a hole in the ground about being an owner-operator, lease operator, or any kind of operator, as much as they're they're complaining about you know, I can see um, I can see complaining about being locked into a lease that you don't get to keep the vehicle and move forward with it to another company. But some companies do that. As far as not being compensated for orientation, they paid the hotel bill. They probably got a food voucher for dinner because that's what most companies do do. Uh, what else yeah. do you expect? You expect an hourly rate to sit in a room and be orientated? Uh, yeah. I don't understand that. And what is this about? What page is this on? Uh, page six. I think it's page six. Okay. No, it's page. <laughs> goodness, it's not scrolling up. Anyways, it says here. Uh, Number 34, drivers, including plaintiffs, are regularly denied timely meals due to delivery deadlines imposed by JCT. Drivers are often unable to take a lunch break or alternatively take a working lunch. Lunch breaks often occur after five hours of work. Drivers, including plaintiffs, working longer than 10-hour days, regularly did not have an opportunity to take a second lunch break. Um we don't. That's, we don't get to take two breaks. I mean, but if you're an owner-operator and you want to take a break that badly, you stop and go to the bathroom. How hard is it to take, a, you know, 10 minutes to eat something? You're not going to get right. paid for it. Right. There and again, drivers it, they're often, acting like they're in a union almost. i got to have my 9 o'clock break and my 3 o'clock break and my noon break and and, and then I'm going to stop driving at 4 o'clock. I don't know. I can't drive more than 420 miles in a day. Can't forget that one. It says, additionally, drivers are regularly unable to take timely rest breaks due to delivery deadlines imposed by JCT. Drivers are often unable to take a rest break. This is number 35. It's right under the first one. and I think it's page 7. Or eight. And then it says drivers are often Sorry. unable to take a rest break in the first four hours of work. Drivers are also regularly unable to take a second rest break after six hours of work. Do they not know the DOT regulations? And if you're an operator if you're an if you're an independent contractor, why can't you stop and Take 10 minutes to feed yourself or stop and take a half hour to rest if you're tired. You're supposed to take a half hour break in the first eight hours in the first place. So I don't understand. Of course, this was before that. That was before this regulation. But I don't I don't understand why they're bringing the lawsuit at all. It, it, It seems that the DOT regulations have been bypassed and. The driver is now saying that I was treated like an employee, but at the same time he's saying he's not treated like an employee. Yeah. He doesn't get to take two breaks a day, and he doesn't get to take a rest break in a timely manner. Well, you're an owner-operator. Those are things that you have to work into your schedule. You you don't get paid for them. I, I don't 
understand like that. Okay, my uh, uh, um, as far as I'm concerned, it, with any load that I, because I haul a lot of meat. So, for example, now I have a lot of times where, yeah, I don't get a rest break all day. I don't stop all day long because I'm doing three, four, and five drops. But now this this load that I'm on, I had a drop, you know, at this morning, at 11.30 this morning, well, my next drop is until midnight. Well, then my next drop is until 11 o'clock tomorrow night. Well, now i got too much time on my hands, and I'm going berserk. Where most right. of the time it's 2, 3, 4 in the morning, then you have 8 o'clock in the morning, then you got a 10 o'clock in the morning, and then you might, you know, and then you don't have another one until 6 a.m. the next morning. It's already three right. drops. How many times? I've been doing this for almost a year now. For you know, for the, the company that I'm leased to, and there again, I'm not going to uh, say who it is, but um, I I get that all the time. You know, go go cry the in the somewhere. I know. And here's another one: the the company you're leased to, they require you to have mm-hmm. a sign on your tra- on your truck so that when you get to your shippers and receivers, you can identify the truck as being your truck with the company you're leased to. They're complaining about that as well. Number 38, JCT exercises significant behavioral and financial control over drivers, including establishing that they are, in fact, employees when they've already said that they are called lease operators or independent contractors. Specifically, Mm -hmm. the control includes drivers requiring to purchase JCT logos and place them on their leased vehicles. Why is that a problem? Right. How else are they supposed to identify you? They're also supposed to check in with supervisors. Yeah, that's an SMCSA regulation. Yeah, and why are they complaining about having? Yeah. Why are they complaining about having to check in with their with their supervisors on the Qualcomm? To put in an arrival call, a depart call, and I'm on my way to go get the load call. That's yeah. the part of trucking. Apparently, this guy doesn't know anything about trucking, this Huddleston. Doesn't know nothing about trucking. Doesn't know nothing about being an owner-operator. But yet, there again, you know, I want to know how much experience he has. I want to know how, you know, that, was he a company yeah. driver, an owner-operator, what? What is his background? Well, I can't find really a whole lot I know. on him. He's claiming that he's not being treated, that he's being treated like an employee, but according to the, all the lawsuit grounds, he's not being treated like an employee. He's being treated like an independent contractor, and he doesn't like it. Right. He's right. also complaining that he's required to prepare and submit required documentation in accordance with JCT's policies and procedures. Does he want to get paid? Right. I don't understand right. what his problem is. Are right, you reading from the petition? I mean, yeah, I read the, I read the entire thing. I read every single word of this thing. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That, well, because I'm that, I'm just I, I'm sorry. I downloaded the opinion and the the recent order that just happened in May, and that's where I got a lot yeah, of my was, information from. And that that must was be the, the, the original petition back the, in September. This is the 60-page document. Yeah, that, that must has be the original petition back, at, back in September. My bad. 
Yeah. So we're, we're he's complaining that he has. <laughs> sorry, he's also complaining he's got to pay for the repairs on his truck, and the company takes it out of the settlement. Obviously, him and everybody else that joins this lawsuit either doesn't know what they're doing, don't understand what the lawsuit is attempting. It has something to do with California minimum wage laws. I think what they're doing, it seems to me, is that these drivers have taken every minute that they worked, lumped Mm -hmm. it all together, Mm -hmm. divided it by what they were paid, or took mm-hmm. what they were paid, divided it by every minute they put into this, whether they mm-hmm. were paid on the clock or not, and it came out to be less than California's minimum state wage. Which, okay, that's but, fine. I mean, I understand a lot of us want to be paid for every minute that we're in the truck, but there are no laws written to cover that right now. So this lawsuit is going nowhere. Hopefully it won't go nowhere because now with after this May um, filing that they did opinion and order and it was by this Chief Judge uh, Gregory K. Frizzle, first off, they filed it in California Federal Court, okay? Christer is not, uh, John Christer Trucking is not located in California. John Christer no, Trucking they- is located in Oklahoma. So then they got a yes, John Christer filed a change of venue. So yes. the, they moved However, it to the federal. They moved it to the federal court, Northern District of Oklahoma. It was filed in California because the claimant lives in California, and if, right. and he's claiming that he wasn't paid California state minimum wage because after all was said and done. Hourly wage, his fuel surcharge, divided by what he considers his working hours, didn't come up, what he actually ended up with didn't come up to California state minimum wage. And that's why he's taking I them to California. I understand that. I understand that. But in trucking, if you're going to file a lawsuit against the company, you don't file it where you reside. You filed the lawsuit in federal court against the trucking company of where the trucking company is located because you are under those laws of that governing state. Even though well, I'm sure you he's... reside in California, you still have to abide by Oklahoma law. Yeah, yes, but he Speaking lives from in a California paralegal. and he's and he's working in California. This Huddleston guy isn't working cross-country. He's working California local. He's working from one end of California to the other, which is what was stated at the beginning of the contract. He does 89% of his work in the state of California. And he's having a heart attack because he's not getting California minimum wage. Well, he's counting more than likely every minute he's in his truck. He's obviously a regional driver, not a local driver. He's running up and down and back and forth the state of California. And for even his sitting hours getting unloaded, he thinks he should be paid for it. Yeah, in a perfect world, we'd all love to get paid for every minute we're in the truck. But that's not the trucking regulations as they are today. It's never been that way. Owner-operators do not get paid when they're sitting. Period. Unless you sit an X, 
exorbitant amount of time, and you can put in detention pay. Or you're sitting or, in between loads, and you can put in or, layover pay. Or if you are running for yellow freight, and you're running union, and you're running regional, and then when you bump the dock, then you go on the clock. He may be going by that because years ago that's what they used to do, but they were also under union. Yeah, well, we're not unionized anymore. Very few, com- very few companies are union now. Right. And unions, and unions have served to put multiple amounts of companies out of business. So. Right. I, I don't. Um, you know, they were they were good when they were when they were formed, but they long outlived their usefulness. Right. A lot of crybabies. A lot of crybabies don't want to um, work for a living, but they want money. Yeah, they want to. They want to get compensated for every time they, you know, turn around. Now, did you read the? And don't uh, become you a truck driver. You read the complaint, but did you read the answer, Christopher's answer to the complaint? The no, response, I didn't. The, uh, I, I was uh, uh, I was disgusted after reading sixty. <laughs> I was disgusted after reading sixty pages of repetitive complaints. Repetitive reasons. Seven different reasons why they're bringing the petition just for minimum wage violations alone. I, I by wow. the time I got to the end of sixty pages, I was like, you know what? <laughs> You're burnt. If I was the owner, if I was the owner of JCT, I'd say, here you go. You are my lawyer. Represent me. I don't want anything to do with this. <laughs> I'm I going think back I'd be to shaking Oklahoma. my head. <laughs> I know. I'm shaking my head saying I'm glad he doesn't work for me anymore is what I'm saying. I'm it. That's funny. Crazy <laughs> laugh away. on this show too. And and, and and a lot of times, you know, it's it I find that I, I'm like, Okay, is there anybody out there? Is anybody listening? So when I got the review from someone on Twitter that said he, he listened to my show and he likes the show and everything. Keep up the good work. I went, woo! <laughs> wow, there's actually people listening to this. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, wow. You know, so, you know, I got I got a few subscribers on YouTube and everything, but anyway, you know, so I was trying I to pull to that say, up. That's just not going to, that's just not going to come I up. Have to it's say not going to even pull up. I have to say this before they become part of the working norm. Um, if they think it's bad now with adults whining and complaining, wait till they allow 18-year-olds to drive. Well, I heard that, but I only heard that, and I, I researched that. And I, when it got into the FMCSA, it's only intrastate, not interstate. They can drive and get a CDL within the state boundaries, not over yes. the road. Yes, but companies That's been are like hurting that. for drivers, and they have a petition before the DOT and the FMCSA to allow 18, 19, 20-year-old drivers to drive interstate. It's not a regulation yet. They're trying to get it passed. I think it would be a huge mistake. Oh, yeah. Huge mistake. I I know some 28-year-olds that uh, were a lot more responsible when they were in their previous occupations. They come to the trucking industry because they're vetted to be truckers. Mm 
now. Right. And they want 100% control of everything, even if they're company drivers. And some of them have done four years in certain places, and God bless them for it. But they come to work as truck drivers and think they deserve the same accolades. And right. you're just a truck driver now, dude. Right. I had one guy actually it, tell me it, to my face. It ain't one that. guy actually tell me to my face that I was taking a man's job. Oh, I got, I've been getting that for 30 years. Why didn't I, why don't I stay at home? Why don't I take care of my old man? You know, he wouldn't be cheating on me and all this kind of stuff. And I turned around and told him, well, you know what, dude, if you kept your ass at the house, excuse my language, I don't mean to cuss out, I didn't say that, did I? I'll have to delete that. Anyway, if you kept your butt at the house, your old lady wouldn't be screwing your neighbor. That's exactly what I told him. Yeah. Well, this isn't 1960 or 1970 anymore. (laughs) You know, if you want to go there, we can go there, dude. Don't, yeah. You don't bother you know me I, I stayed at home. I took care of my husband. I took care of my kids. I became a truck driver when I had nothing else to do. <laughs> yeah, my kids are so, my know, kids are grown and gone. Thank you very much. So are mine. You know? And I got grown grandbabies. And I need to be a truck driver to give my grandbabies everything I can give them. <laughs> there you so go. they don't have to grow so. up to be truck drivers. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, right? In files frivolous lawsuits. Because they're not getting paid for every minute of their time. I heard that. I heard that. She took her her voice away from the mic. I heard that. (laughs) You know. In files frivolous lawsuits. How about that? Just like Dan Bongino says. How about that? (laughs) Well, here's a question for you. See if you can research this one, Julia. How many women have bring in law, have brought lawsuits against their companies? I think you're going to find an overwhelming majority of these lawsuits, if not every one of them, was originally brought by a man. Right. Right. But they don't think they should be. They don't think they should be overworked. <laughs> We're overworked. I don't know. I'm thinking that. I'm thinking that maybe, you know, the sexual discrimination stuff years ago, you know, that that we need to hire a certain race and a certain gender that all fell in line in construction, truck driving, all that, you know, paper mill work, all this kind of stuff. Well, you know, when when we broke out into... All of that stuff? But that's a different type of lawsuit. That's a sexual harassment. That's a racism. That's a, a, a discrimination lawsuit. I'm talking about, I'm not getting paid what I think I'm worth. Oh, oh just under this classification. Okay, okay, okay. Under this kind of classification. I mean, yeah, I mean, how many women think they're underpaid and overworked and are actually suing about it? Every housewife? I'm sure they've... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they've joined the lawsuit <laughs> along with the man that brought it, but <laughs> every every um, housewife is you know yeah. overworked and under. Suck it up, Buttercup. Yeah, <laughs> suck it up, Buttercup. 
<laughs> Do your job and shut up. You don't like it? Don't be a truck driver. God. Right? Didn't you read the regulations before you became one? Right? Go work for a company. <laughs> Complaining about stupid stuff. Yeah, you um, I wish my co- you went. Through, I wish my company I finally would got pay my repairs. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to go start that. That's another show. You and your truck. That's a whole other show, girlfriend. <laughs> and they pay my repair bills. But they expect me to pay them back. <laughs> we'll we'll borrow you the money right now, but you know we want to look at interest. You know, you know, I, God, you know what I said God to the bless guy that God bless the company that you're working for. You know, I know. You know what I said to the guy that handles my my repair loans the other day. What I said, why didn't we use our heads last October after my knee replacement? I could have borrowed $5,000 from the company, got a brand-new truck after beating the heck out of this one for two and a half years. It was brand-new when I got it. Um, (laughs) And paid that back, and I wouldn't be where I am now. And now I'm $10,000 down down the road from January. I could have just borrowed five and got a brand-new truck. Listen to this. upgraded my truck. Listen to this. He left. This Mr. Ford, he was an employee at JCT from 2014 to 2015. They kept my paychecks and my money from my maintenance account. I'm happy to hear about this lawsuit against them and would like uh, to be a part of the lawsuit. Please email me the details. Um, Sounds like when he left, they never gave him his money. Like PTO. You're right. Sorry, I didn't Right. You have to bleep that. You have to bleep that. We're not allowed to say that. <laughs> <laughs> we don't work for them anymore. And both of us work for the same They're, same outfit, and they they did it to me as well. So, you know. There are companies that when you leave them, they hold your money for 45 days. They have a right to do that. However, they're supposed to give it to give you what's left eventually, and some never do. Right. Some never do. So he might he might legitimately be in for some compensation because he when he left they kept everything. And that's not legal either. Right. So but as far as not making state minimum wage, oh well, buttercup. Get a life. <laughs> okay, here. Here's a administrative um difficulty here. This is the reason why um, it got transferred to Oklahoma. First off, he Huddleston contends that because the 13 and the 19 causes of action are based on California law, California federal court will be better equipped to apply California state law than the Oklahoma court. Um, Huddleston does not exclusively bring California claims. The complaint also contains four causes of action under Oklahoma law, and in any case, federal judges routinely apply the law of a state other than the state in which they sit. Um, So that factor does not weigh against the transfer. Um, Administrative difficulties follow for courts when litigation is piled up at congested centers instead of being handled at its origin. Uh, Huddleston has submitted no evidence of court congestion, particular to Oklahoma, as opposed to California. It is is his burden to show the public interest factors weigh in his favor. He has failed to meet his burden as to this public interest factor. 
So in other words, the public interest would be better if we had it in California because there's prejudice against me in Oklahoma, blah, 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 kind of thing. You know, in sum, the court mm-hmm. finds that the public interest factors do not overwhelmingly disfavor enforcing the forum selection clause. Huddleston has not met his burden of demonstrating that this is an exceptional case in which the court should set aside a valid forum selection clause. Uh, for the foregoing reasons, the court grants in part defendant's motion to dismiss or in the alternative transfer the venue and orders this case transferred to the Northern District of Oklahoma for all further proceedings. So there you go. Oh, well, there you go. And, and um, you know, yeah, and this goes glides interests and all this kind of stuff. So this was yeah. um, a decision... Um, let's see, real fast, because we're uh, we're close to being out of time for this show, yay, I'm going to do almost an hour, memorandum (laughs) decision in order, defendant's motion to dismiss for lack of jurisdiction or an alternative to transfer the venue, so what what that means is that Christer filed a motion to dismiss for lack of jurisdiction. Okay, meaning that it, it, it wasn't filed. It was filed in California instead of Oklahoma or whatever because even though he was working in California, the headquarters of the Christopher Company is in Sepulpa, Oklahoma. Okay, that's where he yep. was originally hired. Okay, and, but he was just working out of an office out of California, like out of a yard, in uh, one of their, their subsidiary yards in California. But he really did have to file it in Oklahoma, where the headquarters is based. And well, there you um, go. so, and that's the reason why, speaking from my my paralegal background and legal secretary background, you know, that's the reason why it was moved to Oklahoma. So I'm going to be following this case in the future and uh, keeping everybody abreast of what's going on and different things that are filed along with, you know, all of this I will put in the show notes that everybody can read it for themselves, read 60 pages, and get good and disgusted like you. So there you go. <laughs> I'll be interested to see if if they win this lawsuit. I would right? like to see well, drivers take a while. that were un yeah it is but I would like to see drivers that unjustly whose money unjustly got kept get their money right. but right right I'll I tell you what agree. if this guy but wins if this guy wins and he didn't get minimum wage then I'm starting a lawsuit <laughs> <laughs> oh boy oh boy Cause it, I now, spend the notice a claim large... to join. I'm sorry, the the notice of claim to join this, we're running out of time, the notice of claim to join this lawsuit is September. So they're they're right now, since May, they've been fighting, Huddleston and JTT has been fighting about what the proper verbiage and everything for the notice of claim to be sent out to the drivers. And it's only from uh, May of 2015 to May of 2018. That's it. If you were yeah. any time before that period, eh, 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 you know, you're not in it. But thank you yeah. so much, Lori, for joining me to this <laughs> evening and discussing this. I really enjoyed it. We have to do this again. And it's almost like a girl night long distance almost. You know, the two <laughs> old lease <Kinda>. operators. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Trashing. We work our butts off. <laughs> 
uh, trashing the companies, you know, and see what's going on out there and everything. So thank you again for for joining me this evening. I greatly, greatly, greatly appreciate it. And to everyone thank else, thank you me. so much. All right. And um, I will let you go. You have a good evening. You too. And again, I want to thank everybody for subscribing. I'm on YouTube, Facebook, iTunes under podcast, uh, iHeartRadio under podcast. Just look for Julia's Truck at Cafe. Go, go to the website, juliastruckatcafe.com. Look around the cafe menu. It's a drop-down menu. You'll see recipes. You'll see the show notes. You'll see the shows from the archives. And also, like I said, on YouTube, please subscribe. You want to ring the bell to get notifications when I upload a video like this evening. And I look forward to having more special guests on, more people calling in, putting their two cents worth in or their, you know, speed limit in or whatever you want to say uh, to our discussion. That would be really great to get several people calling in and having a group discussion about these kind of topics. So please keep that in mind. Our call-in number, our caller number is 213-943-3411. That's 213-943-3411. And I look forward to talking with all of you next week. Take care and have a good week. Shiny side up and stay safe. It's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey folks, Dirk Bentley here. If you've seen one of my concerts, you know I'm all about energy. Performing, recording, traveling, being a husband and a father, it's a busy life. And I need to be 100% every day. So when my battery starts running low, I grab a sugar-free, vitamin-packed, 5-hour energy shot. It tastes great, and it gets me back to 100% fast. Try it. It could work for your busy life, too. For more information, visit 5hourenergy.com.